The war in Ukraine has raised political tensions throughout Europe, but notably between Kosovo and Serbia. In Brussels, officials have told both sides to cool their rhetoric and warned Kosovo that without an agreement to normalize relations with Belgrade, the time for joining the EU is running out. My guest this week from Pristina is Albin Kurti, Prime Minister of Kosovo. I agree that we do not have too much time and we live in uh, times of not just danger but also unpredictability. Uh, therefore, uh, I'm not sure that we even have two years. Mr. Kurti claims his country is the democratic success story of the West Balkans. But what about the corruption, discrimination and the harassment of journalists? And more than 20 years after the conflict in Kosovo, why are a thousand war crimes cases still pending? Prime Minister Albion Kurti, welcome to Conflict Zone. Thank you for having me. Two months after Moscow's invasion of Ukraine, you posted on Facebook that peace and security in the Western Balkans have never been more threatened. What made you say that? Uh, first of all, uh, Serbia was historically a client regime of uh, Kremlin and uh, with the uh, unjustified Russian invasion and military aggression in Ukraine, uh, we have seen this uh, by the increasing popularity and admiration in Serbia by despotic President Putin. Uh, secondly, uh, Serbia has been uh, investing in its military equipment by getting new armament from uh, Belarus, from Russian Federation and from China, including uh, joint military activities, namely out of 91 which were planned last year, they have uh, exercised uh, 104. So they have exceeded their plan of uh, military cooperation in joint military activities with Russian Federation. And they have 48 forward operation bases around border of Kosovo, uh, 28 of them being military and 20 uh, those of gendarmeria. But there was no sign, was there, Prime Minister, that they intended to use them? And in any case, you have three NATO countries on your border and a NATO-led peacekeeping force on your territory. So what is exactly the threat that you've been talking about? Well, I never said that we are afraid, but I always said that uh, it is irresponsible to consider that they might not attack. And we should be very careful and vigilant. Because, number one, Serbia does not recognize the uh, Republic of Kosovo as independent country and therefore does not recognize our borders. Secondly, they do not acknowledge crimes committed in the past uh, and they never distance themselves from the regime of Milosevic, which made NATO intervene in spring 1999 to stop Serbian genocide in Kosovo. And thirdly, they keep ever close military, economic and cultural links with Kremlin. Therefore, we cannot exclude their readiness and even willingness to attack Kosovo in the future. 
Prime Minister, you say that, but in August, the diplomatic service of the EU warned both you and Serbia not to raise the temperature with your rhetoric, saying the recent increase in inflammatory rhetoric, in particular the statements about war and conflict in the Western Balkans, are of great concern. And it also called on you to stop the dangerous statements and act responsibly. Do you recognise that your words were irresponsible? Of course not. Uh, I was just pointing at the facts. For example, uh, energy sector in Serbia is dominated by Gazprom, which owns uh, 56% of shares in gas industry and oil industry of Serbia. Uh, likewise, Gazprom owns the majority of shares in the largest uh, gas storage in southern eastern Europe, in Banatski Dvor in Vojvodina in Serbia. Then uh, the regional base of Sputnik openly is in Belgrade. In Niš, which is 100 miles far away from Pristina, they have the so-called Russian humanitarian center with dozens of spies and agents in it. And uh, time and again, they say that uh, it is not the first time that they lost Kosovo in 1999, uh, meaning that they will plan to return it at some point when the window of opportunity will be convenient for them. So I just point out to their declarations and to the facts on the ground. So it is not only about software of tensions, it's about the hardware of tensions. And that has to do very much with Serbia getting equipped from Russian Federation. They have 14 MiG-29s, eight are donation from Belarus, and six are from Russian Federation. And they also have received recently, uh, after Russian invasion in Ukraine, a very sophisticated defense system, so-called defense, from People's Republic of China. And, so, and no sign, Prime no, Minister, I, that they intended to use any of this. Um, you've, you've joined the sanctions against Russia, which is helpful to the West and appreciated in Western capitals. What's far less appreciated is that both you and Serbia continue to argue and snipe at each other to the point where NATO actually had to threaten to intervene. Uh, you, this General Secretary Stoltenberg said, should stability be jeopardized, K4 stands ready to intervene and will take any measures that are necessary to ensure a safe and secure environment. Do you accept that all this has actually gone too far? Uh, we are an independent country and uh, we have to exercise rule of law in every square kilometer or mile of our territory, including the northern part, where some illegal parallel structures of Serbia are active. Therefore, we were not intervening in Serbia. Serbia was trying to destabilize Kosovo, and on 31st of July this year, they have erected 13 barricades with certain combat readiness of their people that they keep in their payroll since 1999, and armed people in order to not allow freedom of movement and uh, rule of law in Kosovo. Yes, but so, this was because of a row over ID cards and number plates, which your government provoked while a major war is being fought in the middle of Europe. Couldn't this row have waited? The EU's foreign policy chief, Josep Borrell, was pretty fed up with your timing. With a war raging, he said, now was a moment to seek peace and stability, not air long-standing differences. Do you not see his point? Peace and stability and security are jeopardized by illegal structures of Serbia, full with people who are also blacklisted by U.S. Treasury, 
in, uh, in addition to having arrest warrants by our police. So these people are arresting peace and stability. And Kosovo is way more democratic than Serbia, and I must say also way more independent country as, uh, than Serbia, because Serbia is a client regime of Kremlin. So putting my government and Belgrade in the same sentence is not fair. Well, we'll come on to your democracy in a moment, but um, if you look at this from the West's perspective, the war in Kosovo has been over for more than 20 years, and yet you still need an international peacekeeping force of several thousand troops in your country. Do you seriously think that either NATO or the EU would sanction your membership while your country still requires that force on standby in your territory? Uh, we need NATO precisely because of Serbia and precisely because Serbia is having such close and wide range of links with the Russian Federation. Nonetheless, I have increased by 52% budget for our defense, Kosovo Security Force and Ministry of Defense, and we look forward to fulfill the 2% criteria of NATO. We want to join NATO. Meanwhile, we have NATO within Kosovo, and the first milestone towards uh, membership into NATO should be partnership for peace uh, program. Kosovo is uh, pro-Western, pro-democratic. We have no alternative but NATO and EU, and this should be rewarded. Mr. Kurti, the fact is that the EU is running out of patience with your feud with Serbia. You've been given a deadline of May 2024 for sorting out your differences and normalizing relations. Do you accept that the chances of you joining the EU are now fading unless you can meet the deadline? Uh, Kosovo is a normal democratic uh, sovereign country. Serbia is not a normal country, even according to Freedom House. They have hybrid regime, which is a euphemism for autocracy. And I must admit, acknowledge, that the relations between Kosovo and Serbia are not normal. We need to normalize them, and dialogue in Brussels is the way forward. This dialogue must be concluded with legally binding agreement, which has as its centerpiece mutual recognition. We cannot have a sustainable and just agreement without mutual recognition as the centerpiece. But do you accept that that window of opportunity, which the EU envoy Miroslav Lajcak talked about, will close in less than two years? Meaning that by then, by May 2024, the subject of your membership will be off the table unless a binding legal agreement on normalization has been reached. Do you take that warning seriously? I agree that we do not have too much time and we live in uh, times of not just danger, but also unpredictability. Uh, therefore, uh, I'm not sure that we even have two years. We should do it as soon as possible. And uh, to this end, I'm ready to be engaged creatively and constructively in these talks in Brussels whenever they invite us. You say that, but both you and Serbia blame each other for the poor state of relations. But your government could have done more to improve the situation, couldn't it? Well, we always can do more, but uh, our government is the most successful one since we declared independence in terms of socioeconomic development and qualitative democracy. We are not a big country, but we are a great example that economic development and democracy go hand in hand which is very important for the struggle regarding narrative in this century. 
Namely, there are some autocratic superpowers and powers who want to show that economic development does not need democracy. And we are showing that democracy and economy must go together. There can be no democracy without human rights and without pluralism. And Kosovo, even though not a big country, is a great example of this. Well, talking of democracy, earlier this year, the EU and the OSCE were very disappointed that you walked back a previous practice that would have allowed the OSCE to arrange for Kosovo Serbs to vote in Serbian elections. That caused some anger among OSCE missions, including the UK and the US. So my question to you is, was it worth it? The US mission to the OSCE said in April, we had hoped Kosovo would facilitate eligible Kosovo citizens' participation in the Serbian elections via polling stations in Kosovo, as it had in the past. We are disappointed a pragmatic solution could not be found. It's your fault that there was no pragmatic solution, isn't it? Uh, elections in Kosovo organized by Serbia are not acceptable because Kosovo is not part of Serbia. I, uh, but you accepted them in the past. You accepted it in the past. Many things in the past were not right. And now it is much better because we are establishing reciprocity principle. Serbia cannot do something to Kosovo if they are not ready to endure and practice it at their own home. Therefore, reciprocity that we are applying is not means of retaliation, but it comes as a derivation from the concept of equality. So reciprocity means equality. We're not against Serbs, but we cannot allow any more Serbia to pretend that they can destabilize Kosovo and that they can control Kosovo by manipulating and instrumentalizing Serbs of Kosovo, who are our citizens. But if you keep going back on agreements that were in place, it has to put in doubt how how genuine your desire is to normalize relations with Serbia. I mean, I ask this question because your history doesn't suggest that you're that keen on doing it. In January 2018, you were convicted of throwing tear gas in Parliament three years earlier. At that time, you were actually protesting at measures specifically designed to normalize those relations. Do you regret what you did in in 2015, or would you do it again? Um, I was all my life a political and social activist who engaged in direct action. But whenever I seen that I was radical, that was due to the topic, not due to my character. So I was never radical in my character, but sometimes there were some extreme topics who wanted to really uh, annul our statehood and independence, and then I did radical actions. In uh, those cases, for example, I was opposing a community of Serb-majority municipalities because precisely in early 90s, Serbia was doing this in Bosnia and Herzegovina, and that is the very history of Republika Srpskaver, which is undermining territorial integrity and sovereignty of Bosnia and Herzegovina. We are not going to allow Bosnization of Kosovo, and precisely this conviction made me look as a radical opposition politician and activist. Prime Minister, in May you went to Washington and you declared, as you said a moment ago, that Kosovo was the most democratic success story of the region. But the fact is that both Washington and the EU still have serious concerns about your own democratic credentials, human rights, corruption, discrimination against minorities, as well as 
lack of justice for war criminals in Kosovo. Have you oversold your achievements to the international community? Uh, we did uh, huge progress, but we are still far from what we aim at. Uh, Kosovo progressed by 17 places in its fight against corruption, and the Transparency International Corruption Perception Index ranked Kosovo 17 places upward for good. And then we rose another 17 places when it comes to a World Press Freedom Index, Reporters Without Borders, and Kosovo is number one in the Balkans regarding rule of law. We're number 60 in the world, but in top one-third uh, states all around the world, only Kosovo from the Western Balkans is there. We have been conducting over 800 police operations in uh, combating organized crime and high-level corruption. Uh, over 2,200 people have been arrested, and around 300 of them are public or state officials. So we are doing very well in fighting corruption, and corruption in Kosovo, if there is still uh, somewhere, it is uh, uh, to do with systemic uh, reasons, but it is never a culture of population. That's why we are going to eradicate it, and this makes uh, Serbia very nervous. Prime Minister, you've highlighted that Kosovo has improved its ranking on the Corruption Perception Index, but this year's State Department report was scathing about the levels of corruption and lack of transparency in government. Would you not accept that you have a very long way to go before the EU will trust you with membership and trust that its money will not fall into corrupt hands? The State Department report admits that your laws have provide criminal penalties for corrupt officials, but it accuses your government of not implementing the law effectively. That's fair comment, isn't it? We do as best as we can and know. And both EU and US know very well that our government is the most pro-democratic and pro-Western since we declared independence. We are engaged in vetting process because we need to render active our prosecution and efficient our judiciary. That's why a vetting package has been handled to the Parliament of Kosovo by my government, so we increase both moral and professional integrity of our judges and prosecutors. And then we will see incredible results, which will be an example to not only our region. Last year, the Anti-Corruption Agency and the National Audits Office filed nine corruption-related indictments, just nine. Are you proud of that? How long is it going to take you to make any meaningful inroads into the corruption among corrupt officials who know how to play your system very well, don't they? Well, uh, they've done that so far, but uh, I must say that now, uh, with the Office for Confiscation of Inexplicably Obtained Wealth and Illegally Obtained Wealth, we are going to move forward fast. Uh, again, we need the help of EU in order to do this vetting process as soon as possible and uh, finally uh, justice in Kosovo to uh, be a normal thing uh, rather than a luxury uh, item. Therefore, I'm optimistic about this, but again, it has to do with changes which has to happen in the state structure and which are uh, not linked with the democratic elections where we reached uh, landslide victory in February last year.
You mentioned the press earlier. Another big problem is the whole media landscape in Kosovo. You don't have state censorship as such, but intimidation and harassment of journalists are widespread. What are you doing to counteract that, or aren't you bothered by it? Well, according to um, World Press Freedom Index, we rose by 17 places, uh, according to Reporters Without Borders uh, estimation. Therefore, we're doing much better than in the past. But I think now that the media are much more in danger from uh, uh, different uh, businesses than from state institutions. So uh, our government is uh, an instance of power which wants to help the media, whereas it is uh, the financing of uh, different online media uh, which is of a much greater pressure on them and is risking uh, freedom of the press. You, you say that, but by the end of last year, the Association of Journalists of Kosovo reported 26 instances of government officials, business interests, community groups violating press freedom by physically assaulting or verbally threatening journalists. Did you even know about this? Well, uh, I know that there are examples and they are being made public. But there is no example of pressure on the media or intimidation which does not come out publicly now. Whereas in the past, you had cases when intimidation was not even known. However, the number of intimidations and uh, pressure in the media is decreasing in Kosovo. Prime Minister, let's talk about the issue of war crimes. There's a long way to go to bring justice for war crimes committed in Kosovo in the late 90s. Have you lost interest in pursuing justice for the victims and their families? Of course not. A vetting process of the prosecution must bring better prosecutors and larger number of those who are going to pursue uh, war crimes. There in are Kosovo, a thousand war crimes cases that are pending, according to the head of the war crimes department at the Kosovo Special Prosecution. A thousand war crimes pending. That's a shocking statistic after all this time, isn't it? Yes, and it's 23 years since the end of the war, and they should have done better and more. And uh, that's why I'm saying that our prosecutors were generally passive. You know, sometimes corruption comes out of passivity, not necessarily by wrongdoing. And we have to have more prosecutors and better prosecutors. 10,000 unarmed civilians have been killed. 20,000 women and girls have been raped. 120,000 houses have been destroyed. And still, we do have over 1,600 missing persons. So there is an enormous amount of war crimes that have not been uh, addressed and for which victims and families uh, justice has not been done. And a lot of the problem has been witness intimidation by people who, hence the fact that you've had to set up the Kosovo specialist chambers in The Hague to get rid of this or to counteract the effect of this witness intimidation. You have a problem with the court operating in The Hague? In 2019, you said you didn't support this court. I did not vote for amending of our constitution to... Uh erect this special court. I believe that we need normal courts, not special courts. And this court has one leg in Kosovo, the other leg in Hague, in Netherlands. And it, it cannot be prized for its transparency, I must say. 
Uh, we well, the courts in Kosovo weren't doing the job, were they? Um, well, you had the former prosecutor at the International Criminal Tribunal, um, Carla Del Ponte, saying witnesses in Kosovo were so afraid and intimidated that they even feared to talk about the uh, Kosovo Liberation Army presence in some areas. Those willing to testify had to be transferred to other countries with their entire families. What choice was there but to take the court to The Hague. What choice? Specialist chambers in the Netherlands, they deal only with Kosovo Liberation Army and Albanians, which is not fair. On the other hand, the former chief prosecutor, Madame Carla Del Ponte, wrote this angry book out of uh, not being successful at ICTY, Hague Tribunal. So I think that... Uh, uh, there has not been an equality of arms in treatment of war crimes in Kosovo. Can you imagine that for uh, 150,000 non-Serbs which have been killed all over Yugoslavia and Croatia, Bosnia and Kosovo, uh, you have uh, not even uh, 200 Serbs being uh, tried and convicted. So I think that in the name of peace, uh, they have been pressuring more the weaker side. But Kosovo is getting stronger now, and I think that uh, we will not forget these crimes which were committed in Kosovo, and we do not want to absolve any criminal uh, in spite of their ethnicity or size at which were taken. But I must say that in the case of Kosovo, the justice for Albanians who endured Serbian genocide is far from being done. All right. Well, these arguments will go on, and this is a subject, obviously, that um, stirs a lot of emotion. Prime Minister Kurti, thank you so much for being on Conflict Zone. Thank you, Mr. Sebastian.